I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Life podcast, a podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today, through the prism of Hinch's six decades in the media. In this episode, Hinch and one of the most influential and widely studied movie directors ever, Alfred Hitchcock, the master of suspense. Darren Hinch, welcome to That's Life. Thanks, mate. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, something. You, you put a photograph of yourself with someone famous. I mean, you're famous as well, but he, he, he was famous. Uh, and the guy was Alfred Hitchcock. Mm. You put that on in uh, Facebook, and it's a great photograph because you're young, callow. <laughs> you look a bit Amish, I must say. Well, yeah, the, the, I had the beard with no moustache. So I look like I come from Amish country, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, uh, you were talking to somebody who uh, brought up the, uh, the subject of Alfred Hitchcock, and you said, oh, I, I've met him. Tell the story. Okay. I, um, a friend of mine sent me a text message saying, um, oh, look, I just watched uh, Vertigo, the Alfred Hitchcock movie, watched it again, and, uh, and uh, just talking over with, with my kids. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm, and I texted him, I said, oh, yeah, I've met him. And the text came back, get out of town. <laughs> what? And so I, uh, I went into my other room and dug out a photo of me and Alfred Hitchcock, you know, taken in on a boat on Lake Ontario in Canada in about 1966, I guess, and I would have been 21, 22 years of age. Well, a lot of things happened to you in 1966 because <laughs> that was the year of the Kingston, Jamaica, Kingston uh, Commonwealth Games. That's right. Which yeah. you covered. Um, you, how much time did you spend well, with we, we, Alfred? Well, the thing was, he must have been promoting one of his movies because he, he made uh, a hell of a, he, he made all the big movies back in those days, you know, and they were scary. There was Psycho, there was Rear Window, there was then The Birds. He, and he made The Birds with uh, an Australian actor, Rod Taylor, and Tippi Hedren was in that movie, which I'll talk to you about later. But... Um, he, I'm I'm based in Toronto. I've just been moved from Mon- I've been in Montreal, and I moved to Toronto as a bureau chief for United Press International. And so we got on a boat, and I've had about an hour with him. Um, and, if, and I'm I'm looking in the picture. I'm looking very stern and and, and, and grown up because I, I grew a beard to try and look older from from very young age. And we we talked about a lot of stuff, and it was he was fascinating. Uh, he was very interesting. He um, told me a couple of good stories. One of his best-known movies was a movie called, I think, North by Northwest, mm. which is filmed around um, in, in the Grand Canyon with the, all the president's faces. Now, in the movie, it scares the shit out of you because you see, um, you see, um, uh, I think it was Cary Grant, and I think Lee Remick was the woman in it. I'm not sure. Anyway, they are being chased by the baddies, and they are climbing down um, the face, I think, of Abraham Lincoln on, in, the, on the, in the Grand Canyon. And if you look at the, how they did that, actually, I saw the things later on, they're lying on their side. It was a mock-up and they weren't anywhere vertical at all. But Hitchcock told me, as, as you drop, name drop, he said, my plan is we had a lot of trouble getting the presidential commission to let us even film in the Grand Canyon. But he said, my plan had been, in the original script, was that Cary Grant and Eve Marie Saint was the, was the actress, that Cary Grant and Eve Marie Saint would hide inside Lincoln's nose <laughs> and then... Come out. 
No, they'd be given away because one of them would sneeze. <laughs> so, so Cary Grant would sneeze inside Lincoln's nose, and that would that would give him away. So. Now, what you're, what you're talking about is the uh, they're carved into the mountains. Mountain, right? that's right. Yes, yeah. there, now, there's, is there's that Stone wa- Mountain. Yeah, yes, Washington. There's Washington. There's Lincoln. Uh, I think Jefferson. Um, Trump I'm wanted his. Trump wanted his head. Trump there. wanted to be there. Yeah, that's true. God, could you imagine? That is a great thing, isn't it? I mean, can, can you? We, we don't do enough with our prime ministers. No. We, we have this prime ministerial garden in Ballarat, but we we, we don't revere our leaders. No, enough. some people would say we, they don't deserve it. Uh, sometimes, as would happen well, in America. In America, sometimes. you know, the, every president has their presidential library. Well, also, you still, you, you still call president until you die. Yeah. If I was in America, I'd still be Senator Hinch. Right. And you are. It's revered and. and and, and I, I like the idea that, that it is revered because, as I've said to you before, there's only 700 people have ever been senators in Australia and that's hardly more... Well, well you're, you're ha- serving the country. Well, and it's hardly more than have uh, worn the baggy green. Yeah. But g- getting back to Hitchcock, he, um, he, he, he told me a funny, funny story, I thought it was. This is going to show how old, old it is. Back in the days of telegrams, right? People don't know what telexes are, but telegrams used to be sent by postal boys would come around to your house and deliver a telegram, an urgent message. A little yellow thing. A little yellow thing. With, yeah, words. That's right. And uh, he used to see, every Christmas, he would send his close friends, he told me, uh, this Christmas card. And the Christmas card on, on, on telegram. And it simply said, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. And that was his Christmas card. <laughs> Do you know why? No idea. No L. <laughs> right. <laughs> no L. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I tell you what, repeating that story is bloody hard <laughs> yes, because you your mind L. immediately <laughs> just blurts it out. Now that is uh, that is very very clever. Uh, now, now he also he he made a movie I said with um, with uh, Tippy Hedren. And Rod Taylor, and that was the thing—a scary thing about birds attacking people. It was, you know, it was. I mean, I know I saw Psycho as a kid and didn't have a shower for about three weeks. I was so scared because she gets murdered early on in the, in the shower. And you never so, see the the, the, no, the you knife don't. go in. No, All you, you don't. see is you, the you, hand moving. Yeah, and, and you just in that one, you um, it's so scary because the music is so scary, and uh, you know, you never see any. You, you'd see, I think she blood down the. Plug hole eventually, but you don't see it. And, you, and I saw that three times. You don't see that the body double is actually wearing um, pantyhose or of some sort. Uh, the the woman who, repl- who replaced Janet Lee as the body double. But I found a flaw, I think, in in the movie Psycho, because partway through, when somebody comes to the motel looking for the missing woman who's been murdered. Um, um, the guy who plays Norman Bates, uh, Anthony Perkins, uh, looks around and says, no, there's nobody here except me and my mother, and he points up to the, the ha- this weird old house, and you actually see a, a shadow moving. Now, it went, as it turns out in the end of the movie, by then his mother was murdered. It was, he killed his mother. So, or, so there should die. be no shadow moving. So should, the shadow shouldn't be moving. Now, maybe you've got to say he had a dead in a rocking chair and it moved, I don't know. But to me, I thought, that doesn't gel. So I thought back to 
when he stabs him, the, the private detective to death on the stairs. And I mean, it's a hell of a scary film. It's a great film. Many years ago, we, we went to Universal Studios in Los Angeles. Yeah. <clears throat> and look, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that house up on the hill that he points yeah. to, where, that's in still, the Universal st- Still U- there, Studios. yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I think it is, yeah. Have you ever been to Universal no, I haven't. Studios? No, never did it. No, I don't know why. I, I should have. I'd love, love to have. To, yeah. Well, in that movie, The Birds, which scared a lot of people as well, as Psycho did, um, so the star of, of The Birds, Tippi Hedren, uh, years later, she she became a great animal uh, liberationist and she, she had a lion sanctuary in LA or California somewhere and she made a doco called um, Raw and she came to Australia to promote it and... Uh, uh, we became friends. Uh, she's a lovely woman, and uh, my animal connections. Ooh, you've always been an animal. Been like that. Yeah. So, and she came in to make Raw, and she, of course, is the mother of Melanie Griffith, the actress. Right. And uh, well, the, but Tippy uh, came out here, and she was very popular. She, we, we had a big function for her here and stuff. It was good. So, but um, but Hitchcock had one little ploy, and he stopped doing it in the end because. He made a point of always appearing in his own movies as an extra, you know. And he started moving it further forward in the movie because people would be distracted watching for Hitchcock and would not be watching the main film. And he did one clip, really clever one. He made a movie, I think it was called Raft, which the whole thing was in a, in a lifeboat. So how the hell do you get a fat Alfred Hitchcock into a lifeboat? And what he did at some stage, somebody picks up a newspaper in the lifeboat and opens it up. There's a picture of Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> in the paper. Uh, very, very <laughs> and clever. He, he did, I mean, Rear Window was a fantastic movie of his. He just, he had heaps of them, you know. Dial M for Murder was a, another yeah. one. Um, a, a bit of somebody, after I posted my picture of, of him, me and him on Facebook, somebody said, and I guessed it right, they said, okay, out of his three main leads, Kerry Grant, Grace Kelly and Jimmy Stewart, who made the most Alfred Hitchcock movies? I can't. Don't know. I can't answer that well, question. I guessed it was Jimmy Stewart, and I was right. Apparently, Jimmy Stewart made four. Grace Kelly made three, and Kerry Grant made three. Well, they were all big, big movie stars of their time. They Alfred were. Hitchcock died at the age of uh, eighty. He, he, well, he was a bastard to his crew cast. He referred to female actors sometimes as cattle. And he on the set, I'm t- I don't know, but I was told he was brutal. Was he? Um, and the final Hitchcock line: If you watch, ever watch North by Northwest again, there's a scene at the near the end. It takes place in a cafeteria or somewhere. I don't can't remember the details. But at one stage at the end, somebody in the cafeteria fires a gun at somebody. Now, if you look at it closely, it obviously wasn't the first take because the take that goes to air, just for the guns fired, you see a little kid put his fingers in his ears. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, his dad was a fruiterer, so he he came from pretty humble beginnings, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, and... uh, what a what a what a! He, he was born on my birthday, actually. The thirteenth right. of August was uh, his birthday in eighteen ninety nine. So yeah, well, he 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 was a Hollywood great. He really was. Do you watch many movies? Dare you a movie? None. I, I during COVID lockdown, I didn't watch one film, 
and I'm just about to cancel. I, I, I dutifully signed up with Netflix and Stan. Haven't used either of them once. Mainly, I suppose, because I'm writing books as well. But I, I watch news, you know. Um, I but feel I'm guilty. talking about even, you know, when you were younger. Go oh, yeah. I, I, was, I, was, to the I, I was a great movie, movie but so. I, I mean, I used to go to all the... Pro- well, I was very lucky when uh, when I was on 3AW, any, um, any Village Roadshow new picture that came out, I not only went to the opening night, I had a preview where Alan Finney, hello Alan, uh, Mr Finney would uh, put on a little private screening with some glass of wine and a Chinese food in the in their little studio. So now he was your movie reviewer, and he, and he, he? for years, yeah, yeah, he'd do an hour once a week on, on movies. Well, Very well, funny man. But, but he worked at road shows. He worked at was, village road He never show. made movies himself. No, no, he or, uh, He was he was he was an actor. He was in it. He's been in the movie with Jackie Weaver. Right. He was in a. I think he played a gay tailor in one of the movies. He was in. And yeah, he, he, he was a, a part-time actor and then he became a very big name in, in, in the, in the uh, movie business, selling movies. It's you know. a wonderful way to lose yourself. I remember the first movie I ever went to was an Elvis Presley movie called Change of Habit. Okay. And I can still remember as a little boy looking up at the screen and he's singing at the end of that uh, movie in the church and uh, thinking, I'm going to remember this moment because there you this go. is the first well, movie. Well, I, I recall... I'm old enough to remember uh, Charlie Chaplin, and I saw Charlie well, you're Chaplin. Going, you're going back a long way there. Yeah, and I remember seeing Charlie Chaplin in a movie called Limelight, I think with Anne Boleyn. Anyway, um, he uh, it was he's a funny man, a comedian, Charlie Chaplin. He fell into a, a drum. I mean, it was still clearly, this is, Christ, 70, 65 years ago. I remember he fell into a drum, and everybody laughed. And I burst into tears. I cried because Charlie Chaplin had fallen into a drum. Over uh, the years, you would have interviewed quite a few movie star, big, big oh, oh, yeah. movie stars. Any, yeah. any of them spring to mind? Uh, Charlton yes. Heston. Now, let's talk uh, about him. Because, uh, no, uh, I, no, I never interviewed Charlton Heston, and I, I despise his attitude towards guns. Take from his dead hand, his gun. You know, he's a member of the NRA, and I, and I despise. The fact, look, the Americans, they don't deserve our sympathy in a funny way. I just saw the other day... One state, I don't know where it is now, has just authorised that people can carry concealed handguns without registration or without a licence. Now, you think that Sandy Hook never happened. It's just when more than 20 kids and teachers are murdered. I, I, I find it just extraordinary. And this thing about the right to bear arms, it was, it was in the Constitution, the right to bear arms, so they could form a militia to save the country. It wasn't so some nutbag could walk around like an 11-year-old girl shot three students just the other week in, in a school. It she happens every ha- week. Now. Yeah, every week. I, I mean, remember the first one I uh, remember happening was San Cedro in Mexico in uh, the early 1980s and quite a few people died since then. It's unbelievable. Well, I, I remember when the guy went up the... Uh, the te- Texas University Tower, and just pick people off from up there. That's going back um, umpteen years. And Las Vegas a couple of years ago. Yeah. Of course, it's not only America. The the Dunblane massacre of school children in Scotland really affected a lot of people. I remember I was in Sydney at the time, and the Daily Telegraph read a picture of all those kids, you know, and just uh, and ironically, what's the the, the most famous current uh, English tennis player? Um, Andy, Andy Murray. And yeah, he went to Dunblane. I think he was a student there at the right. time. Well, yeah, he, he's Scottish, that's right. Yeah, yeah, so, well, yeah. therefore, he, it was yeah. him. He was, he was a student there. Yeah. 
We were talking movies, Darren. Uh, uh, what's uh, a movie that's... Oh, I, was, I, was, I interviewed Mae West. That was funny. I mean, she looked like something from Madame Tussauds. She's had so much work done. And, uh, the old joke about... Explain to young... Oh, who, who Mae West was. Who Mae West is. Mae West was a... Um, Mae West was a famous, probably the first of the bombshells, blonde bombshells in Hollywood. And she also appeared on stage on Broadway. She did her own show called Sex and got jailed for obscenity for doing that. Um, she was famous for lines like, is that a gun in your pocket or are you just pleased to see me? Uh, and uh, you know, come, a sassy sort of... Yeah, uh, come up and see me sometime and, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. It's not the men in your life that matter, it's the life in your men. <laughs> yeah, so Mae West, and she, I remember seeing her, in, in her obviously very late in her career, and she looked like something out of Madame Tussauds, I tell you. She was she was surrounded by by muscle men, like like from, uh, you know, those groups that do it here in the, the, in the jocks. And, stuff, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was, she was funny. Um, yeah, I... Um, I've Nat- said Natalie before... Wood, I always had a thing for Natalie Wood. She was a gorgeous woman. Uh, died too early. Funny, uh, yeah. She, uh, the, the awful joke was the only wood that wouldn't float. <laughs> she drowned, sadly. It's an awful joke. <laughs> anyway, I, funny you should mention her because somebody played a trick on me when I was about 11 or 12 and I had a thing for Natalie Wood as well. I thought she was the most gorgeous. Beautiful, clean y- yes, features. Yeah. Well, she all, and what you'd like because she looked Italian. She a did bit. a little bit, yes. Um, and somebody, I don't know how, I can't remember all the details now, but somebody sent me a love letter, a fan letter from Natalie Wood. I'd obviously written to her and she wrote back and she didn't. It was somebody in my family. It, you know, got, and, and I was proudly showing everybody, <laughs> even my, my, my letter back from Natalie Wood. That you would, you would write a fan letter is actually interesting what? to me. That you would actually write a fan letter <laughs> to anybody else. Princess Grace. Did you ever? Meet, no, I didn't. Meet her? No, no, I didn't. Um, she was, she was exquisite. You know, uh, and it was a weird relationship when she moved to Monaco and and married Prince Rainier. You know. Well, um, it, it's lasted till the end. Yes. Um, yeah. Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, yes, I I uh, met Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. She did have the most amazingly coloured eyes, and they were real. They weren't like Paul Newman's um, cataract. Um, what do you call them? Um, contacts. Um, I interviewed her them with other journos, I must admit, at the Waldorf Astoria, and we didn't realise they were sipping from a cup. They both had a cup of coffee, a cup of tea. They were sipping from it, and obviously it was neat boost. They were drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning, and both of them were hitting the grog. <laughs> they, they were the, the, the it couple, weren't they? Oh, yeah, they were indeed. Days. And, uh, I mean, they, they married, they split, they married, they had these tumultuous affairs and stuff like that, and, uh, you know... Um, yeah, she was she was quite a, uh, a, a, a an actress and a, a star in the old Hollywood. She was a star, yes, she was. Tradition. She was indeed. And in her later years, she did wonderful work uh, with AIDS victims. You know, um, yeah, she got she got a, a, a very big social conscience. But she was she was adorable uh, to see in in, in, in movies. Um, I've said to you before, one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen walked into my studio at Three AW, and that was Sophia Loren. Mm. She was just. I've shaken her hand. Oh, yeah, beautiful and and a sweet lady too to uh, to talk to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tell me the story about Sophia Loren. Well, she, she uh, came into your studio. studio. I almost didn't get it because the movie people. She obviously had it promoting something. Uh, well, no, she was promoting a book, I think, or 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 or, or perfume, not a movie. And uh, and I said, yeah, I'd love to interview Sophia. It'd be fantastic. And I said, all right, we'll go to such and such a hotel. I said, no, 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 no. 
I, I, I run a radio station sh- sh- program, and I ran the radio station too for a while. Um, I She comes to my studio, and they said, well, she won't do it. I said, well, we'll miss it. And anyway... Um, it was in the, the end, no, Sophia Loren went to Hinch. It was the number one radio show in town and they wanted the publicity for her doing appearances at Meyer or somewhere and Sophia Loren walked in in a red dress looking absolutely stunning. Are there, are there any movies that you've seen that have stayed with you? Uh, one Flew Over the Cookies Nest is um, one that I... Uh, no, the movie stayed with me. Um, Some Like It Hot was one of my favourite movies uh, with uh, Jack Lemmon uh, and Tony Curtis and Marilyn Monroe. Um... A film I've watched so many times, I used to force families to watch it as well, was Midnight Run with a Robert De Niro film which he plays a, a, uh, a guy. He, in America, you, you, you can get, when you get bail, if you jump bail, they send somebody after you, you're a bail bondsman, and they chase you and get your money back. It's, um, that was a fantastic film. I could, there's movies I can remember the lines from, that one there. Uh, I enjoyed that. On top of my head, um, I like cowboy movies, um, you know, um, we Clint Eastwood, do you ever come across him? Clint Eastwood? I didn't, didn't, but I've, I've watched his, some of his films. I mean, he went, people thought it was a joke when he was doing the spaghetti westerns. They became international hits all the way through. And they were, I, I enjoyed them. I've always loved westerns. We used to have a running joke. I used to say to somebody, oh, and you have to be a real western fan to get this, so I apologise in advance. Uh, you'd say, oh, yeah, so-and-so. He's lost his sense of 310 which means nothing to anybody, right? doesn't mean anything to me, Dave. There's a great, there's a great um, Western movie called 310 to Yuma, Y-U-M-A. So he's lost his sense of 310, meant he's lost his sense of humour. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and the Magnificent Seven was Oh, yeah, that was the one, wasn't it? They, they did... They, it, well, it, was, it was a great... Look, they usually, in, in, in movies like Great Westerns, and they sound a bit corny now, but you have the ticking clock, or the clock's ticking down, and people getting shot everywhere, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, 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 I'll, I'll tell you, this is an out-of-school, um, an out-of-school uh, joke about Westerns and behaviour, and it supposedly involved Ned Kelly, right? And Ned Kelly holds up a coach, full of people, men and women. And uh, at one stage he said, okay, he said, uh, we're going to rape all the men and rob all the women. And somebody said, excuse me, isn't that back to front? And the voice in the back says, who's running this hold up, you or Mr Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, uh, Darren, we've had some uh, sad news. I don't know whether you wanted to touch on this, but uh, did you know Sam Newman's uh, part? Yes, Amanda. I, yes. I remember there was you a You were a at one of my functions. Yeah, there was a function you had where you were uh, raising money for your uh, Senate. Senate, that's uh, right. And, yeah. and Sam was there. Was yeah, and there Amanda was there. Um, right. They, sh- look, they've been together, you know, off and off, no, I don't the wrong way to put it, but they've been, been together for, for no, about 19, 20 years. Um, but I recall, I think she was a makeup artist at uh, Channel 9 uh, originally. She's also into, into, into fitness and wellness a, a heck of a lot. That's why it shocked everybody that she died. Now, Sam and I have been our acquaintances. We think we're friends. We, we enjoy each other's company when we see each other. But we don't sound each other out and find each other. I mean, I didn't know that he got married in November. Uh, he did it very quietly and whatever. But it must have been 
a hell of a shock. I mean, to, he, to be come home, he, he, he'd been calling her and she wasn't answering the phone, which is unusual. And so he went home and there she was, dead or dying on the floor. And I have heard since that he called triple zero and was being given instructions on doing CPR. Now imagine thinking doing CPR on, on the love of your life. You know what I mean? It's mm, just, mm. just Well, well he, he said he knew that she was dead, but he yeah. was still doing it. Yeah, it's tried. I mean, anyway. just, just the feeling would be just... Well, so what's he, for people who don't know him, because he, he's a bit of an, an enigma. There's, there's, he is an enigma. There's tell two you Sams, really. There there's are. the Sam you see on television, which isn't... Well, I hear from people say it's not the real I'm Sam. I tell you, it's not. It's not. Yeah. The, the, the Sam on television was a persona, and he did it and he milked it, you know. I mean, I've never, in, the, in our personal times, seen Sam tell me be race, racist in any manner or form, be homophobic in any manner or form, uh, be sexist in any manner or form in, in his private life. I've, I've heard him reading poetry at a, at a public function once. It was brilliant, you know. Um, and there is a very soft side to Sam Newman, um, and the best way I can describe it is that he went into a business deal, with a, he guaranteed a business deal for a friend in Geelong, right? and the deal went bad. And as guarantor, Sam had to, had to pay for it. And it sent him broke. I mean, from my memory, he lived above a mate's fruit shop for a year. Right? So he did it tough, really tough. And we used to have a, a Friday lunch at the Golden Gate Hotel in South Melbourne every Friday. We used to joke, we went, it was banker's hours, we went from 1 till 2, 1 p.m. till 2 a.m. <laughs> but um, various people would come there. If there's any actors in town, we'd invite them along. You know, I mean, you know, Robert Duvall turned up one time and... Uh, Brit uh, Eklund. Um, but this week, I invited Sam along. And Sam is there, and it just come out that he'd gone bust. And he's there with me and my radio people, some television people, sitting around just having a chew in the fat at lunch. And suddenly, Sam just burst into tears. And I looked at him and I said, what's up? He said, I'm, I'm just amazed you invited me to lunch. I mean, you know, I've, I've gone bust and everything. I said, mate, you're here as our mate. You're not here because you either have money or don't have money. And uh, he was actually quite tearful at this at this luncheon because it, it, it every, to us it was just it was just the same, just going through a rough trot, mm, which everybody does. Yeah, well, yeah. I remember mean, my dad, and I can say this with all honesty. When I went, I went bust, and my dad said, "Yeah," he said, no. he he would have seen me a lot of times pulling out a fat wallet to pay for lunches and dinners for for everybody. And he said, oh, I bet all your fair-weather friends have gone now. And I could say to him, Dad, the friends I had when I had money are the same friends I had when I went broke and the same friends I've got now when I've got a bit of money again. I said, didn't change. You know, and, uh, and I felt the same way about Sam Newman when we were at the, uh, the Golden Gate. I think people would... would uh, I just don't know why he hasn't shown that side of himself. Well, he, he, I guess he wanted to preserve the image. I mean, Con the Fruiter is a different person than what than, than, than he really is in real life. You know? Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Robert Duvall because we were talking about actors, mm. and there's one actor that you uh, you didn't come forward uh, initially with, but you had lunch with him. What was yeah. he like? Because oh, he's fantastic. He's a great actor. Yeah, uh, famous for the Godfather. The Godfather. He, he usually played. Um, usually played. Uh, Backup roles, didn't he? But yeah, supporting. He was so roles, authentic, yeah. you know. Yeah. He, in The Godfather, he was fantastic. You've seen those t those movies? 
What do, what do you think of those movies? Oh, I, I enjoyed them immensely. Apparently, um, by the time they made, there's a garden scene, I think, in the God, and I'm going back a long way now. There's a garden scene in The Godfather, and Marlon Brando is out there in the, in the garden. Well, he dies in the garden, well, growing oh, his tomatoes. Well, well he, whatever lines he had there, they were hung on huge sheets on the side of a building because he couldn't remember them. <laughs> so when he's in the garden, he's looking up, and there's the, all his his script was written on the written on the on, on, a, on a sheet hanging out a window. Uh, I should ask, did you ever come across Marlon Brando? Because he's probably the the icon actor. Oh, the, the, he showed the way for these method actors. And yeah, he did. Uh, no, I never did. I never did. Um, we both shared a love of the Pacific Islands. He spent a lot of time there and had a lot of relationships. Tahiti. Tahiti. He had a lot of relationships there. Uh, he he did. He was the king of method acting. Which reminds me that uh, once, uh, oh, um, who was it? No, it doesn't matter. It's just a story about, about method acting and uh, some famous Sir Lawrence Olivier was, was in it. Was in a movie with with something like Dustin Hoffman, and Hoffman said he stayed up all night to just sit up all night. He said, Why? He said, Well, just because I've got to do the scene where I'm I'm starved of sleep and I'm I'm in the dentist chair or something, right? And he said. It's called acting, dear boy. Just <laughs> act, you know. <laughs> but on the same thing, I remember once on Three AW, I got a call from a couple, and they were going on their first overseas trip. They're flying, they're going home to going back to London, right? And I was a talkback call, and I said, "Oh, that's very nice," and you know, looking forward to it. It's a long trip. I said, "Yeah," and we're, we're preparing for it. I said, "How do you prepare for it?" I said, "We sat up all last night, the whole night." to see how we'd cope with being awake for 24 hours. <laughs> you have to live it, Darren. You yeah. have to uh, live it. Robert De Niro, did you ever I met him at a party in, uh, only recently um, in, uh, in L.A. because Jackie was in a movie playing Robert De Niro's wife, Jackie Weaver. She was in a movie called... Um, forgotten it. Um, they all got nominated for Academy Awards. And he was um, there, Robert De Niro, with his uh, beautiful statuesque wife. She's taller than him. Yes, she is, yes. much taller than him, very statuesque. And uh, I was just reading about them the other day. They're, they're getting a divorce and it's costing him a squillion. Being in LA, it's uh, normally a few get divorced in Los Angeles, 50-50. Uh, and I think uh, apparently there's no prenup for... Um, for um, Bill Gates, so that'll be probably the biggest divorce settlement in well, history. Well, well, yeah, that's uh, they married twenty seven. Twenty seven years. years. Uh, it came. You know, it shocked me that they were getting divorced, which is quaint, isn't it? I, uh, I, I guess it doesn't shock me because I can. You know, it's just happening all over the place. I mean, marriage is a different institution. Well, two things about Bill Gates that I've read in recent times. One, before he got married to her, he did a whiteboard of the. Pros and cons, and the pros obviously came out well up. That's very clinical. He, um, yeah, very clinical. She worked for Microsoft. Uh, he was already a millionaire when when he married her, but it's since come out that he talked to his ex, longtime ex girlfriend, whether he should marry. They would go away once a year together. Well, apparently, that's what I'm pointing to. Apparently, for years after he got married. Every year, he and his ex-girlfriend would go away on vacation because they'd always done it. And his wife would let him go on this 
God, I mean, I've, I still keep friends with my exes, but I don't think that would you'd get away <laughs> with that one. I'm trying to think who the guy was that was married seven times, but uh, mm? he, uh, I'm trying to think of who the guy was that married seven times, but he had a wonderful line because he, people said, oh, why did you get married seven times? And he said, I, th- I think it's crazy that people stay together for 50 years. Um, the seven, you only stay together for about <laughs> yeah, yeah. Few. Well, well I, I, um, I see that um, a famous British golfer uh, is getting married for the fourth time to an ex-stripper who's – it's her seventh wedding. So it's his fourth and her seventh. So it's 11, 11 – but I used to joke I – mean, I've only been married – only been married four times. <laughs> uh, and it really because – I mean, Jackie and I were married twice, but it was really renewal of our vows in Hawaii. Um, I haven't told her husband yet, but we never actually nullified the American line, so we're probably still married. Um but I used to joke that it was five times. So then Chanel, my last and last wife, um, was Chanel number five. <laughs> <laughs> Will there be a number six, Mr. Inch? I don't think so. No, <laughs> no. I used to joke. Apparently, oh, this is an interesting radio point. Um, the first Monday in May this year was an anniversary for me. It was on, it was on Monday, May the 1st that I started my radio career on 3XY in Melbourne. Would have been 1978. Yeah, it was uh, 3XY, Foy to and Moyle. And <laughs> you back did that I, very well. And back then I used to joke that I, I really should get married three times and get divorced three times. Then I could say I had three ex-wives. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, All right. uh, Mr. Hinch, thank you very much <laughs> for your time today.